Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ranting Atheist Podcast. Today we'll be listening to the deconversion story of a former Christian who I will call, this is somebody you would have called Spirit Coco, like she's the last person on earth that you would think would become an atheist. So this is why when people say, especially these Christians, where where, where they think they can't be atheists or they say you chose to be an atheist is something that they can't understand until they go through it. All that talk is just uh, self-defense of their faith, trying to defend and rationalize whatever. Because if you knew someone like this person, you'll be utterly shocked. It's like how you serve God, you see visions, you, you prophesy. You, you do, that kind of person is the last person you ever want to believe would become an atheist. Because when you start losing your faith, you know, you, you start looking for how to hold on. You know, like the, the last episode of You Were Never a Christian. That's one of the things that makes people angry. Like you, you know how you try to claw your way back to God only to realize that it's all bullshit looking for reasons so it's this story really i really felt it like it's every time i hear that uh, trying to say you chose to be an atheist i know that person is either ignorant or a fucking liar so if you are yet to subscribe please subscribe up apple spotify google and other places that podcasts are available then if you'd like to share your story, please reach out. The links are in the show notes below. We'll schedule a time that's convenient for both of us so that you can have a one-on-one and share your story to the extent of which you are comfortable. So now, let's go and listen to the conversion story of Ore. Hello, Ore, and you are welcome to Story of an Atheist. How are you doing now? I did. Mm. How are you? Well, well, I did alive. I did. We just did, you know, the usual Nigeria. Nigeria will not kill us. That's the. Amen. That's the. <laughs> the what did you say? Amen. We Nigeria not kill us. God, I beg. Ah, oh, well, this country is, is. If you don't, uh, awesome. if you don't hold on tight to, I don't even know what, person will not be, what do you go hold on tight to, hold on tight to your sanity. I'm about to ask you, make it no wrong man, you have to hold on tight to yourself, say your mom, <laughs> make her no grace, because you just see nonsense <laughs> offline and online, you just be like, where does country go better? When? I mean, how can we progress as a country when people are stupid like this? How? Ah. Every fucking time online, I'm just like, when, when they are shouting, Obi, Obi, Obi. I'm like, no, you people, this is your Messiah complex. Am I last then to? This is lesser of the two evils or whatever. Like, this the guy is lesser of, of, the, of the four evils. Of the plenty evils, <laughs> like the lesser one, shy. The guy is more perfect, I can't lie, but like, almost. It's better than the people that we have had in the past years. But I don't like how people are just latching onto him. But I get it because when people are suffering, eh, like we will go to anything that can give us like 
respite from our pain. Like we would grab it like desperately. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame people for the way they are acting. But I do wish that most people would approach this situation with a lot more nuance. Because right. that's why it's just like, you're not here. It's, it's a, it, like, although it's a very simple situation, being that the other candidates are just, they are selfish people, like forget mm-hmm. about them. But Dubious. like you can we cannot act like the guy is above everything or the guy is mm-hmm. perfect. And I see people on Twitter doing doing that as well, saying, Oh, let's not say the new guy is perfect, or the new guy is not perfect, but it's the lesser of all the evil. Like so, call him to task when things yeah, with some things he doesn't do. But some people are just like, no matter what, I'm like this is yeah, yeah. I'm even surprised that people are really engaging with politics like this in Nigeria because after I the answer, after interesting it, like if you see the way people when they saw that nothing was changing, people just mm-hmm. ah like just this dejected countenance. I thought that our generation has now learned to be helpless because you notice it's another Nigerian yeah, generation. No. Ah. Uh, they have lent helplessness but yes. us we're fighting against that and i was wondering because of like the interest thing have we learned to be helpless and i'm no glad consequence. that we, two years now passed no consequence and they were not doing tear gas which they hear that nigeria honestly nigeria 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 like that's why me and guys <sighs> i removed arm and leg to leave that place like I, we didn't have the money, we didn't have the funds. I was like, let me use my brain. And you move that money to leave that business. Any which way to just get the fuck out. So, we are talking with Ore, and uh, you have given us hints that you are you have Jaffa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'd like to know a little more about you. Uh, you can share your location if you are comfortable with that. Uh, what do you do for a living? Your age? Are you Gen Z? Are you millennial? Or you know, or Agba Lagba, which I doubt. <laughs> but you know, so mm-hmm. give us any other thing you would like to us to know about you. Okay, so my name is Ore, as he said, and um, I I'm an atheist. I'm also a Nigerian, but I don't live in Nigeria. I'm out of the country because for school majorly. So I am in school. I'm in my second year, I think. Yeah, do you think? and yeah, <laughs> I don't think oh, it's just that everything is just mod- modeled up together. So Gen Z or millennial, I'm very Gen Z because I I'm 18. So I think that's my biography. That's my biography, basically. Uh, I have to clap now. It is not easy to open eye for something that has been baptized with you since the day your brain started booting. Honestly, way, before before I even skip it, are you are you single? Are you a single pringle? Are you available? Are you free? Are you taking <laughs> away? <laughs> so who <laughs> might want to know that, or you don't want to you want to keep it keep it a mystery so that we don't spoil your markets. Mystery is I don't spoil my market. Okay, uh, all cards on the table. I am single, but not in mind. My soul belongs to another. <laughs> I don't die, you. I don't die. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm single. I'm single. Like I'm single. I can do whatever hey, I want. They don't put you for bottle. Ah yes, <laughs> but like to be honest, I I still like confessing. I, I I don't think I will stop liking them. So even though they did they serve you breakfast because it's looking like they served me hot piping hot breakfast. Hot oh, breakfast. I was 
Ah, I was like, hey, Jesus Christ is Lord. This, this seven is not normal. It's not natural. <laughs> mm, wow. For the rest of it's flesh and blood. Hey. Wow. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Well, it's it's but, part of life. But it's breakfast that is easy to, not easy to accept, but easy to swallow. Like swallowing is not accepting. Swallow is per, as per I take it. But accepting that you had swallowed it is the difficulty because it was breakfast on the time. That's where time comes in, not time. Time. It was breakfast on the basis of religion. So it's a very difficult thing that something something that is useless to me can mean so much to someone else and can actually affect me because it means so much to other people. And Mm. it kind of ties into the whole thing where people say, oh, if you don't believe that God exists, like why are you so preoccupied with him it's because like literally like even though he doesn't exist the belief in him is so potent that it mm-hmm. actually affects every day of my life every moment of my life even as someone who doesn't believe and it's like that's why i engage in these conversations not because like i'm fighting against or i'm not fighting the thing is that a lot is god you hate god you hate God. I don't. I can't hate something that doesn't exist. <laughs> but like the extremism of the beliefs is is what you know gets at me. And even though in my kind of daily life and even online, I try to be very understanding because I was once there. Like I was once fully there. I know what it is to believe and truly believe because I was such a devout believer. And I know that there are some people that will say, "Oh, if you truly believe, you can never unbelieve." Please, that's another, that's another thing. All um, that one is is a defense mechanism. Like me, yes. the kind of Christian I was, I would never be friends with the kind of Christian you were. I disliked your kind of Christians. You were serious <laughs> with God. I, I would. Yes. That, like I would so, be very accepting of that because. Like, for me, my belief was all that there was. Like, that's why a lot of people who talk to me are quite surprised that I actually got to the point where I deconstructed. And that's because, for me, being a very curious individual, even though you are going to be indoctrinated, sometimes there are certain parts of your character that enable you to break out of that. But you really need to rely on it because Christianity tells you, and maybe other religions as well, but Christianity is what I'm familiar with. It tells you to not trust yourself at all. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your judgment. Don't trust shit. You are nothing. You are a fallen human being, blah, blah, blah. So it tells you all that, and it tells you to lean on the trust of God. So mm-hmm. even though sometimes you're, you will be getting some things, you will attribute it to the devil or attribute it to flesh or the weakness of your spirit. And you will say, oh, no, this is the perfection that I, I want to go towards. And I think it's that dichotomy, you know, of Christianity especially, that works so well, where they tell you that you are very special, but you are also useless. And it kind of just ties in together. You link your whole life with this thing, and it's very hard to get out of. It's a cycle you can't get out of. Because when it's like a cycle of sadness and happiness. So you feel worthless, you feel nothing, blah, blah, blah. So you look onto God and God kind of makes you whole and you, yeah, you feel the happiness that it comes with communion with God. It's a codependency system. codependency. So you feel the happiness that comes with communion with God and inevitably you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, you are no longer kind of checking yourself anymore. And as a human being, you obviously will fall into various sins. You will tell a lie here, you do that. And it kind of accumulates. At some point, you feel so guilty and you're broken down mm. again. And you're back there. You're back the in prime, that position. 
the prime once or twice that you actually get addicted to it it becomes an addiction like that that cycle of happiness sadness feeling worthless feeling worthy feeling worthless feeling worthy it's just it's addictive i cannot lie yeah. and that's why it's very hard to break out of it and that's why i don't call people who are so attached to that cycle i don't call them stupid because we are human beings and above all we have these brains that have a bunch of shortcuts and stuff and a bunch of things that are not particularly logical anybody can be susceptible to this we are also susceptible to it in our own friendships and relationships if someone is giving love and taking it away we have a tendency to be addicted to that rush so it's the same with religion religion is just that on like a more massive scale More massive, stood down massive, man. It is. Fucking massive, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so before we segue, uh, when you're talking about guilt, it took me back to the words from a, a wise man once said, what is Christianity? If not guilt, persevering. Um, that's still my clubhouse. That's still my clubhouse photo because it, it really was it was so poignant to me. It was so... Immediately, I saw that tweet. I screenshot it. It's there on my clubhouse bio. Any day, I'm not going to change it. Like, what is Christianity if not just persevering? Because the question... I think the question, the original post was like, um, why is sin inherited but salvation isn't? Yeah. And it's like, why? Why? Why are you going... I'm going to be born and you're immediately going to make me feel guilty for something I, I didn't do. Oh, like, be for it. Before you, like Adam fell, the fall of man, it doesn't equate to my fall. Like, why would did I, I inherit? Did I did there? Did I did there? Was I? I wasn't was? there. I wasn't there. Who? Know, what if if I were Adam, I would not have made the same mistake? You see, mm-hmm. like me and Adam are different people. You know, so yeah, it's one of it's also one of those things that is very hard to reconcile within the Christian doctrine. This idea that um this idea of um, inheritance when you yeah. inherit so, the sins of your called family. It, um, Automatic sin, manual salvation. <laughs> Automat- <laughs> Automatic sin, so manual salvation. Is a fucking For what it is, how is it that it's like some you being born into debt and having to work to repay that debt doesn't make sense. Debt you did not incur. Debt like money you are not enjoying from not like, enjoying. Nothing, nothing. Just, like people, people have eaten the fruits. People have eaten the fruits. They have gone. Mm. Me, me, I'm just here. I do. You just brought me here, and, and I, you tell me that I have to pay for this. Like, uh, um, man, fuck so, that shit, man. Fuck that shit. Yeah, it's really difficult sure. to recover. All right, yes. So you're an atheist. Please give me your own definition of what atheism is to you. So let me Ooh, hear your. That's uh, a complicated thing because uh, I. I tell people or anybody that I have this kind of conversations with that I'm an atheist because I think it's very simple for a lot of people to understand because the working definition is that I believe no God exists. As of now, that's what I believe. So you can actually break down what I believe if you want to get into the specifics of what I believe. Okay. So I, if I, I was not a Christian. If I was a Christian, I'm like, why do you believe God <laughs> does not exist? You see, exactly. you're making a claim. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can get into the specifics of it, but that's one thing I disagree with. Like, if you don't make the claim, it's like you say God exists, I say no. <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that. But I'm not just saying no as like an emotional, you know, 
rebuttal. It is based on a lot of logical things, but back to the definition and what I classify myself as. So, um, I will not sit here and say absolutely no gods exist, no gods can exist, nothing like that. I would not because there is so much as human beings and as a civilization that we don't know and we might never have the capacity to know. There's so much. Like, yeah. what if there's a God who created the universe and took a backseat? How are we to know that if he's not active, you know? So there, there are so many possibilities and I don't want anybody to, you know, there are fringe possibilities, but possibilities nonetheless. So I acknowledge that, but I think people will define me as a local atheist because I can say with like a lot of certainty that none of the gods we have established right now exist. That, that's what I say. Like, I don't know if God exists or not. Like the, Because what is your definition of God? Like, if you talk to some people, they will get some definition of God that is weird. And I, you can't rebut that. But I'm saying that none of the gods that are established right now exist. Especially the Abrahamic religion. I can sit down on my chest and I'll stand on it. And I'll stand on it. But yeah, so some people call that you're yeah, a local atheist or they'll say you're an agnostic atheist in, by, in which you think that we cannot know or we don't know, but you are inclined mm-hmm. to believe and that via the evidence that no gods, prob- like the probability is highest that no gods exist. So that's the easiest name for me. And if the word atheist is not palatable to some people, I call myself a skeptic most of the time. So I say I'm a skeptic. (laughs) (laughs) I call myself a skeptic most of the time in that I am not one that easily accepts people's claims without proper, you know, proper introspection and, you know, kind of investigation. That's the word I was looking for. So if you tell me gods exist, I would say, "Mm, prove it. And if you tell me that absolutely no gods exist or no god can ever exist, I will tell you it. So I'm a skeptic on both ways and I'm always, always, always in the pres- process of questioning my beliefs, adding things, learning things and all that. So I'm not stuck in my ways. Like I will say this with my full chest. Like if God comes down today and says, Ore, this is me. Hello. I'll say, okay, I believe in you. Whether or not I worship that God is a different ballgame entirely depending on what kind of God it is. But mm-hmm. I can always change my mind. That's the truth. It's, my yeah. stance is solely based on evidence and, you know, logical incoherence between a lot of people, a lot of religions. So. Yeah. A lot of Christians used to ask that question like, okay, if let's assume God exists now, would you stop being an I'm like, yes, I don't have a choice I, not to I, be. Like, yeah, like it's not I, even my choice. Like I know your God exists. Yeah, yeah. Will I worship the God? And I'm like, fuck no. If it's that motherfucker in the Bible, hell <laughs> fucking no. I will be terrified. I will be. I know I'm dead because That's the, I caused the motherfucker. Right. <laughs> so thunder is loading for me by default. <laughs> any, and there's really nothing you can do to escape that situation. And it's. That kind of question is actually more complicated than people give you credit for. That if, let's say, the God of the Bible, the God that is, you know, delineated by the Bible, especially the Old Testament, does exist, would you worship him? And at that point, it's like, you barely have a choice. Like, this nigga would kill you. So, like, where do you have a choice? But it's not left to, oh, can I? Can you worship such a God genuinely if he's so Boy, smart? Well, he can read you? your mind. Exactly. So the nigga can read your mind. mind. What, what are we supposed to do? Like at this point, this nigga is overpowered as fuck. Well. But <laughs> I, I can't, I can't oh, kill myself. All those ones are hypotheticals because yeah, since nah, it's their way of being like, hey, you hate God. You know those kind of they are trying to use that as a gotcha to be like, you hate God, you hate God. I'm like, 
Nigga, come on. <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> but um, full disclaimer, even though I sound reasonable and measured here, on most social media I'm a troll. I'm a fucking troll. <laughs> like I'm a whole troll. So if if you catch me in one of those trolling moments and you're like, oh well, you people, think people that have been it. listening to all those that they would have derived recognized the voice, yeah, and that'd be from that uh are Christians a terrorist uh ah I've heard this voice uh uh-huh. it was a rumor that I just came like this they say Ora is here bring her up she's a very controversial person I'm like ah my name has preceded me hey but <laughs> you catch me in those moments where I'm trolling and you say oh you're an atheist and you just hit God no say on my foot chest yes what I want I, I want the oh, okay. what, what uh-huh. you have to do I want uh-huh. so what uh-huh. and so what like uh-huh. they say it like a series like oh saying that you have like an emotional investment and I think it's that thing that people do where like they feel like emotions and um, logic are mutually exclusive and exposing your interlocutor, like somebody that you're arguing with or debating with for having an emotional attachment to a certain topic undermines their logical arguments. And I'm like, no, even if I hate the nigga, religion is an emotional roller coaster. It's an emotional attachment. And no, it's so funny. Like that's one thing. It's so funny how a lot of Christians, when they are, you know, making arguments, they really go back and forth. They go back and forth on what they will, they will set this standard. But the moment that standard they have to adhere to that standard and it's not working for them in their argument, they shift, they shift the goalposts. I'm like, bro, didn't you say this is it? Blah blah blah. Because look at them. They will tell you that God is a very personal thing, you know, that personal encounter is, you know, the strongest evidence for God. And the moment he has an atheist that like, um, okay, let personal encounter be what if my personal encounter tells me otherwise? They'll be like, oh no, no, no. But you see that the Bible is very, very unique, very this, very that. I'm like, bro. If I don't have a personal encounter that ties me to this nigga, like what, what like mm-hmm. It's, it's a recipe for for frustration so it's before scary. we move into your your religious background there was something you when you're talking about this atheism description and agnostic i i don't know if you agree with this but i, I had this thought so work with me um i said that all atheists if they are truly honest with themselves are also agnostic and mm-hmm. most agnostics are also atheists I think it's because I agree with you hundred percent because there's just this fine line. Like again, let's let's take it this by little. So what is an atheist? It's a person that believes there is no God. But the truth is that I've spoken to lots and lots of atheists and no one has been able to say categorically they absolutely believe no gods exist. Because the idea of a god is a very nuanced thing. Highest I've heard is people like me that will say, oh, I believe that this particular God doesn't exist. Like, oh, like, never. Like, this is this God is a contradiction. It cannot exist. I, I've, I've heard that, but I've never heard someone say, no God exists ever. Because really, if you are a truly logical person, you would accept your limitations and accept that there is so much you cannot know and you would never know. And... Is that acceptance of your limitations that is very important. But I also think that a lot of agnostics, for them, that label is a gateway. And I've been there before. I say that because I've been there before. A lot of them actually absolutely don't believe. But yeah, they open that gate, you know, because the mm-hmm. label is, is very, how do I put it? It's a certain idea. Yes, it's very, it's very yeah, it's very belligerent. It's very incendiary. So I, I would, yeah. 
But I can't say like almost all atheists, I can't make those broad statements, but I could say that there's a lot more intermingling with, within agnostic and atheists than most people. Because they answer two different questions. That's even the, the, yeah. the issue. Gnosticism comes from, you know, the I think knowledge. it's a Greek root called no knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And atheism is like, oh, theism and then belief. Yeah. So it's about belief. So belief and knowing is different. Like I can believe that like there was a point that was an agnostic belief is a subset i believe which one's a subset of the other one is a subset subset of the other belief is belief is supposed to be a subset of knowledge okay no because knowledge is like a tested belief like knowledge is above belief so knowledge is a belief that is also true so if i believe something and i know it like and it is also true that coincides with knowledge of that thing but if I believe something, and I'm not sure, it's, it doesn't have any leg to stand up. So without knowledge, you your belief really doesn't matter. Belief, so knowledge is like the main cocoa of the thing. So whether you, you choose on choose to accept what is true or what is not true based on whatever emotional things or whatever reasons, because I know some people, some Christians, they tell me, "Oh, I know I'm living in delusion, and I don't give it for." And I'm like, "Good on you, what? good on you, good on you." They know they are delusional, but they still mm-hmm. hold on to it. Yeah, because that's dishonest. Thing, that it brings, it's dishonest, but it brings comfort to a lot of them. And I, <laughs> I think if there's, if I've gone through, <laughs> I think that's the biggest change I've gone through, God like over it. the past year. Over the past year, when I, you know, first got on this place, you know, I don't know, listeners, you might never hear that episode because it's. <laughs> that episode will never come. <laughs> like, I think that's the biggest difference for between me and the past year. I think I've come to a lot more of an understanding to and a lot more compassion for religious people. And it's a sad kind of compassion because I know that compassion will never be extended to me. I know they will not yeah. have that compassion for me. And it's very one-sided, but I think that's the best way to really navigate the whole question because at the end of the day, we are the minority. Whether or not that's changing in the world is up for debate. I know in the US it is changing, but not changing in the way people might want. Because what's happening in the US now is that you have a lot more spiritual people. So people are not necessarily kicking against God belief or religion, but they are kicking against organized religion and you know the uh, and stuff. I'm not so, religious, but I'm, I'm spiritual. Yeah, so there are less religious people, like church statistics, less Christians, less Muslims, less less but like nuns are increasing. So N-O-N-E for the listener. So nuns are increasing. So they are saying, oh, we are not affiliated. Atheists are not increasing particularly. There is an increase there, but not particularly. Most people are saying, oh, fuck organized religion, but I still want to adhere to something. And they, I, I, don't, I don't need religion to get to God. I'm like... Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's basically what we are saying. So I do have compassion for a lot of that because I believe that evolutionarily there, there are some things in we as human beings that predisposes us to superstitious behavior. And the thing is I, that I say about that is that there are a lot of things that we are predisposed to evolutionarily that we as logical human beings don't just do, like, because we know how to control ourselves. So yeah, what I would say is that even though we are predisposed to thinking like this, we are predisposed to seeing patterns and attributing it to some sort of higher order, 
we should deconstruct it because we have the capacity to think, we have the capacity to be introspective. So we should deconstruct it just because it comes naturally does not mean it is necessarily true. It might the fact that it came naturally means that it had purpose. But just because something had purpose before doesn't mean it has purpose now. So we might have needed, you know, religion in the past because we didn't know how rain fell. We didn't know how crops grew. We didn't know where thunder was coming from. We didn't know shit. We didn't know why the stars were there. Like, what do you mean light is there? What is hanging it? Who is keeping it up? What do you mean? (laughs) So we didn't know all those things. So it makes sense that people, you know, brought up all these stories Mm -hmm. and explanations. But now we know much more. And I, I don't know, how do people really... Like, this is a question for you. How do you think people reconcile that? Reconcile the fact that even Christianity attributed a lot of things that we know are scientific to religion. And now that we know they are scientific, why don't we say, oh, what if all the things we attribute to Christianity are scientific, but we have not just found out yet? Why don't people make that connection? Well, it's for me, I think there are different factors like Number one factor is indoctrination. Like it's it's is a it's is a is a is a massive leap for you to get from that point of this um, like now I'm looking 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 back to my own uh, deconversion. Even as serious as a Christian as I was, I will always admit that it was very chilling finding out that yo this shit is bullshit. This so-called God we have been father in heaven. It was just all in our head so it's that first of all it's terrifying to imagine such things so they don't go there the indoctrination already make there's a way the brain thinks there's a book i'm still reading the god virus the way the, the religion just kicks in and there's a, you see somebody very smart in other aspects but once it comes to religion it's like their brain is empty yeah, we are mm-hmm. prone to superstitious uh, uh-huh. you know magic so thinking those are the the environment itself the cost of going down that rabbit hole that's another thing so there are just there, yeah. are, two, there are just many yeah. many that's walls cost most people are not willing to pay yeah, yeah there, there are many yeah. walls built up and it's very terrifying so i can understand because i think even I, without hmm? yeah go, go, ahead, go ahead no me i was saying that like the whole purpose of my own style because me i'm brash i don't come and be your compassion like fuck you fuck your god that's the way I go because I'm not I'm not trying to deconvert you. I'm trying to establish that motherfucker. Here I am, and I'm an atheist. We exist. Fuck you. So what what what, what I will now what I now want is people like you to now bring your compassion to them, and everybody should do their own different styles. My own is fuck you. Here I am. Here we are. Atheists exist. Fuck you. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Both styles have their place. The reason I come with compassion is because I think that's how I've always been. Not that I'm a particularly nice person. Anybody that knows me will tell you that I might be lovely and all that. You know, I'm pretty and I'm smart, you know. (laughs) Sorry. But I'm not particularly a nice person. But what I do is like I have this urge to understand people. And I think because understanding people helps you move forward in life like if you are very um unaware of like social cues social things like if you are very unaware of people around you there's not much you can do to move forward people will hold you down because like who are you who are you so you have to care about these things and it's ironic because sometimes i think back and when i first started my deconstruction and deconversion 
it was which we have, not, we have not gotten to yet, but we are coming. Which I have not gotten to yet. <laughs> it was there was a point that I thought that I was going to come out of this process of questioning unscathed as a Christian. And there was a point I thought I was going to come out as a Christian, and. The, these thoughts crossed my mind out. Oh my God, is this my calling from God to mm. kind of talk to atheists and bring them back to the fold? Like, is this my calling? Because I thought I was going to come out of this questioning on skate and it made me proud of myself to have questioned and come out of the other side a Christian. But, I, you know, we'll not be here if that worked out. <laughs> we'll not be here <laughs> at all. So. The Lord works yeah. in mysterious ways. Mm. Yep, he does. Okay, he okay. so... After many minutes, we have almost 30 minutes or so now, we have been going. But let us now go back in time to to you giving us uh, the breakdown of what your religious background was like. Okay. So, yeah. I guess, where do I start from? I guess I'll just start from my parents because your religious background is heavily determined by your parents. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, oh, my yes. parents are kind of have, you know, different theology, but the, uh, the thing in common is that they are very devoutly Christian, very devoutly, like Bible is the source of truth, all that. But it kind of had a twist to it because my dad is a very like logical person. So what he did with me is that, and is in hindsight, I realized this, well, what he did with us, like as his children, because both my parents are pastors uh, or were mm. pastors, it's a complicated thing. But what he did with us and his congregation. Yeah. (laughs) What he did with us and his congregation and whoever he was teaching was to show them the logical reasons to believe that Christianity is true. But he would never address atheism or non-God belief. He would address like other religions. So we'll talk about Muslims, we'll talk about the Jews, we'll talk about the Hindus, the Buddhists, why what they believe Uh is not true. And that's why after my deconversion, I didn't waste time <laughs> I didn't waste time thinking about their religions because I'd already known what like the debunking for them. But I think I, when I was young, I didn't have the eternal I- internal reserves to say, oh, a lot of the reasons that this man is saying all these religions are debunked apply to Christianity. I didn't have that you know capacity to say that. But yeah, so I grew up in very devoutly, and I think about nine or ten. My parents' religion became my own. So I think my story is slightly atypical in that a lot of Christians, especially ones that have deconverted, might say that they were never really particularly connected to the religion. They never really accepted it, that they understand that because their parents were in this thing, so they were. And for me, it was vastly different. I was genuinely connected to the religion. I like... And I also had this thing where I had like slight prophetic abilities where I could kind of tell the future and come to pass. So you had all these things that kind of reinforced this belief in me. I really thought I was working with the Holy Spirit, like me and the Holy Spirit were paddy. And that's as a result of my mother's theology as well. She believes so strongly in like the Holy Spirit and the power of communion with God. And I took that as well. And what I took from my dad was the order of religion. So follow these rules, follow these regulations. God is very, because my dad was a very, God is a God of fire and brimstone. As far as all this love that people used to oh, preach. Oh, oh, as, as, shit. as far as this God, he will cut you down, but you you know the difference. He's powerful. So like, better bow your head down, bow your head down. Like when, so when I hear people say God is love, God is love, I never had that. I never had that understanding. I thought that God was love, 
But also, he was a, was he a motherfucker. Had fist. He had an iron fist and he can finish at any time. Like, I thought that human beings as a species, we are worthy to God. We are worth something. But you as an individual are not worth anything. Do you get? Like, human beings in general are worth something. God loves us. But does he love you specifically? You will go to hell if you if you verse him, you go to FIR. Like if you if you talk, you collect. Like it's well, like doesn't it's that like, feel contradictory? I don't know. It it's feels... contradictory. It's contradictory, but it is again, it's just it's just one of those things that you realize is contradictory by the time you get out. Like cognitive dissonance is a very powerful thing. And until someone points it out, you really don't see it. So I think that was like my kind of theology. And God was not particularly good to us, but that was how I was able to make sense of it. That God doesn't need to be good to you. God is God. And you bow to that. Like, that's why for me, when I heard about people talking about, you know, the evil that God did in the Bible and the kind of things that were condoned in the Old Testament, that did not shake my faith one bit. It did not. It did not because I was like, so what? So what he asked for human sacrifice. So what he said you should stone people. Yeah. Yeah, all those all those verses back then. You mm-hmm. aware yeah. of those scriptures. I was aware of some of them, not the worst ones, but I was aware of enough of them to have that belief. So yeah. And I was working with the Holy Spirit. I would pray, you know, with Jesus and all that. Now, when did all this change? I was 16 at the time and I was trying to jack back from Nigeria. And it was the first time I really wanted something from God. In all my following God, it was not to get anything because I watched my parents, you know, worship God and they really did not move forward when it comes to life because, you know, Nigeria is is what it is. Mm -hmm. But for the first time, I saw my future ahead of me and I knew that if I stayed in Nigeria, like I, I knew that if I stayed in Nigeria, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. Like I was supposed to go to Covenant, I could not for the life of me. So I, and then I was always told by all these people that you are smart enough to get out of this country based on that alone, based on your intelligence, based on you know the fact that you are academically gifted. And in that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, and I decided to follow through with it. So 2020, you know, kind of struggling a bit and, you know, praying for these things. And for a time, it seemed that things were working out. But because once you lack of resources is very hard to work around, especially if you have big plans for yourself, like lacking funds, lacking support, it's very hard to work around. And eventually things came to a standstill and they were no longer working. And the things that were not working were things that were out of my control. So it made sense that when something is out of my control, I would say, yeah, it is in God's control. So again, I ran to God and I was like, bro, I've never asked anything of you, but like this thing, just do it for me. I beg, I beg. And um, to show my seriousness, I embarked on a 63 day fast in 2021. Yeah. So redeem and um that did you had called a sixty three day fast and I embarked on that fasting and I'm someone that I'm an extremely disciplined person when I, like I'm extremely principled person so that fast I took it extremely seriously I don't think there was a day that I missed it like I fasted like typically because I also have ulcerative tendencies so you know you're told that you should not go too long without eating if you have that tendency like two or three. Yeah, so I would fast till like three. 
And when I could push myself, when I felt like the spirit was really, you know, leading me, I would fast till six. So yeah, I would break my fast either at three or at six and it's a mini day. So that's how I, I did. And by, you know, fasting from, I think mid January. So I started fasting in January. At that point, time was running out because if you know anything about, um, schooling here, especially in the US, if you know anything about it, you know that January is kind of late to get your admission in August. Like things are already underway. Like people get their admissions in like October, November, you get your decisions. And I was getting decisions and they were giving me scholarships, but what was remaining was like $5,000, $10,000. My parents cannot pay. Like even though you're giving me a 90% scholarship, like what is left? I can't pay the 10%. And in this moment, it was like, oh, I rejected covenant. And am I going to be ridiculed for these lofty dreams where my dreams bigger than me? You know, when you feel, feel like that, like, am I asking for too much? And you are told that this God is supposed to help you. But the listener will think, oh, she deconverted because God did not do that for her. Ironically, no. Ironically, no. I actually held on faith. Ironically, that was not what even shook me. That did not shake my faith in God one bit. Because again, like I told you, I had this belief that God can do whatever the fuck he wanted. That prayer was just a way to appeal. So it's like God would still do what you do regardless, but you can appeal. You can say, God, I beg, please, like for this one, just help me do that. You know, you are like in, I think it's somewhere in the Old Testament. I forget like the book where there is this woman who is trying to get a judge to do something for her kind of get justice from a judge and she comes and the judge is like hard-hearted the judge is hard-hearted i don't know where it is but the judge is hard-hearted and he's like no he keeps turning the woman but the woman keeps coming like every day persistence and at the point the judge is like bruh like okay fine get, you get what you want i can't like, she was yes, trying to get justice. so i kind of saw that judge as god in fact that story when i heard it when my dad preached about it it was very important for me because i saw that judge as god that persistence and all that that he would do what he would do but you can appeal and that's what i was using my prayer and my fasting to do so growing up i had this belief that i was special and i think every christian also shares that opinion that they are special you are wonderfully and fearfully made jesus died on the cross for your sins and god loves you and wants you to be with him when you die and yeah i had this belief i think one of the first thoughts that started coming to my head I think one of the first things that I actually had to come to terms with was watching a theraministry video on YouTube. So I always watched like funny content on YouTube and video essays about, you know, politics and stuff. But I never watched things about religion. The highest I watched about religion was a sermon on YouTube. And on the first time I saw something, it's like homosexuality is not immoral because it's not a question of morality. Like morality is about how you affect people around you and homosexuality is between you, yourself and your partner. So I clicked on that video and from then on, YouTube started giving me more videos from that amount of content. And at first I kicked against it and would purposely like ignore those videos. But Theramin Trees was very pivotal to me because it just exposed how like religion, especially with the biblical God, Yahweh, is very much like an abusive relationship. And if anyone knows me, is that I'm a feminist and I don't fuck with domestic abuse. So just seeing like the parallels between an abusive relationship and the relationship Christians have with God was enough for me to take a step back. I took a step mm. back. And then seeing how, you know, 
this religion breeds a certain amount of narcissism and that narcissism is what you really connect your faith. I forced myself to do introspection because like I said, my dad was a very like logical person. These are logical reasons to believe in Christianity. So I prided myself on being a logical person. And when I started my process of questioning, I was like, okay, if this is real, it will hold up to scrutiny. That was what I said. It will hold up to scrutiny if this is real. And I genuinely thought it would hold up to scrutiny. And <laughs> that's where I, I think that's where I differ from a lot of Christians because a lot of Christians will even give themselves the space to question. They were like, it's wrong to question. Like, you don't question God. And I was never the kind of person because I have a problem with authority in general. <laughs> like, when you say, mm, I'm, not, I, I'm like, what gives you the right? I'm definitely that kind of person. But I was like, if this is real, it 100% hold up to scrutiny. And I looked inwards. That is narcissism holding me to the faith. It's feeling that I'm special, I'm different, I'm this holding me to the faith. The answer was yes. And then I tried to deconstruct this idea of being special. What makes me special? What? Like, because I was born into a Christian family. And then doing the research on just how, like, the correlation. I think the statistics is like, 80% of people follow their per- parents' religion. Or is it either 80 or 90? Like a crazy stat like that. Yeah, your yeah. parents' religion, your geographical location, those two things highly determine what your religious, what your yeah. religious belief will be. And just swallowing that statistic was enough to begin my questioning. Because all the other things, like all the other things, like God being wicked, God being this, or the fact that I was not, like my prayers were not being answered and I was not clocking them was not enough. It wasn't enough for me. Like, it was just the belief that deconstructing the idea of being special because you as a Christian, you feel like the chosen one, but you have no reason to be chosen. You do not. And a Christian will tell you that, oh, that's the good part. You have no reason, but God chose you either way. But that's stupid. That's extremely dead. Because what happens to those other people that never have the opportunity to hear the gospel? They die and they go to hell. Like, that's what you think. Too bad. Like, too bad for you. Like, and then, just... Then I started doing some research. How did Christianity even come about? How did my parents even get this religion? Because I'm a deep thinker. That means I will drag, I will pull the thread until everything comes out. So I'm like, okay, I have questioned why I believe. I believe because my parents believe. Why do my parents believe? Because their grandparents believe. Okay, we go back and there was a time in Nigeria when nobody was a Christian. What happened there? What happened there? Oh, colonialism. We go back, colonialism. There was a time that these people were not Christians at all. Then you are led from, you know, because the British, then from the British, it was the French. Then the, from the French, it was the Greeks and the Romans and all those other. Oh, but the Greeks and Romans were atheists. So you go back to the Bible and you go and meet Apostle Paul. So the, everything starts with Apostle Paul. So you meet Apostle you, you meet Apostle Paul and then you are looking at that. Okay, okay. So there was a spread. And then you begin to pull the thread and then you see, oh, there were actually different doctrines. They were killing people and that's why you have what is here. Mm-hmm. So the refined religion that we see that is barely refined is the subset of a lot of bloodshed, a lot of so many things that are unspeakable. And I'm like, okay. And now I'm like, let's look at the present day. There are over, how many denominations of Christianity and they believe oh, vastly. You go tired. They believe vastly different things. Now I believe my denomination is correct. Not just my denomination, my denomination of my religion is correct. And I sat down and, and I thought to myself. The very, the very brand of that denomination. Yeah, the very brand <laughs> of that denomination is correct. And I'm like, 
I actually sat down to myself and asked myself this genuine question. What are the odds? I think anybody that sits there and asks themselves that question, what are the odds? I think you begin to actually reorient your mind. It was asking myself that question that, that was very key to my deconstruction. Very key. What are the odds? One in what? One in over, like the probability is one in how many, you multiply by how many religions we have in the world, how many denominations are particularly in Christianity, and then how many brands of that denomination, you will get a craziest number. The probability that you are right is extremely slim. By the time I came to that acceptance, I'm like, then what is right? What is true? Why are we here? All that. And then as answering those questions, asking those questions, going back, and then I reached the point where I discovered, we don't have these answers. We do not have these answers. We are lying to ourselves. And I'm like, then what does it mean? I, I, I'm supposed to have prophetic abilities. God is supposed to love me. I am special. I am chosen. Everything around my life tells me I am special. Because if there's anything I've been told a lot by so many people is that you are special. But I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a human being. Everyone is a human being. There's nothing special about me that says that I I have been chosen by God to do the right religion, to be born in the right place at the right time to the right people that gets me to this point. There is nothing about me that is special. I am a simple clump of cells, human being, blah, blah, blah. That's all I am. And then the extra thing on the, you know, icing on the top of the cake is misogyny. It was hard for me to say, when I saw the misogynistic test in the Bible, I first rejected them and said, oh, it's context. But I'm like, how much context can wash away this? How much context do you need where a Bible tells you that a woman who is raped, that all the rapist has to do is either marry her or pay her, her father for yeah, defaming for his property? No, not all. It is pay her father and marry the victim. Pay her father. Like, how, how he much does contact? not divorce her for the rest of his life. What a fucking punishment. Exactly. How much context do you need for God killing somebody because he did not inseminate his dead brother's wife? How, how much context? And that's why one people ask for my deconstruction story. I say it's not one thing. It's really not one thing. Yeah, some things are more important than the other, but questioning yeah. what are the odds? Questioning the discrimination, questioning the evil, questioning how, like, how the brand of the, there are so many things, Christian beliefs that you will never, that will never hear the light of day because the texts have been destroyed, the people that believed in it were killed like because it was parents. Like or Ebionites. Yeah, yeah. are yeah. such a good example. There were the Gnostics who also believed that the God of the Old Testament was the devil and Jesus came to overthrow that God. There were Ooh, so la, la. many beliefs and you want to say and stand and say fully with all confidence. Like, what I would say to people is that can you with all confidence Hedge your bets on this thing. Like knowing the factors that push you to your beliefs, knowing that we as human beings have a tendency towards supernatural beliefs and knowing that whatever supernatural belief you adhere to depends on your geography. Are you comfortable with that realization? Are you? Because seeing how, like how convenient is it that the one question that like human beings are like, what happens after we die? I think what happens after we die and why are we here are the biggest questions. What are the odds that a simple, you know, very like would answer those questions that we have no means to verify? What are the, the odds? Problem is there, are, there are many answers to that questions. 
to that to those two questions there are different people different and i'm like you're not like who is telling like, the truth who is telling the truth like just ask yourself like, who is telling the fucking truth because like i'm not hedging bets here if you tell me that is eternal life so many there are so many eternal lives based on so many religions how am i sure that you are correct why well, i should follow what the indians do because they are they follow the majority of the world i should become a hindu because that's the the majority like hindu is one of the like biggest religions aside from christianity and islam so why can't i follow them why I, like when you ask christians why how do you know that it's that the muslims are wrong the muslims believe that you are wrong and that you are doing heresy and stupid things like how dare you say that god how had a child uh, and they will tell you that uh, which one is three in one yeah, it, what, what does this look like does this look like shampoo Christianity, they, are having, they are having the civil war it is they are separate another will say they are they are together in one they are fighting themselves inside the same christianity and they will quote scriptures from the same bible that validate each other's claims and i wonder and the fuck? like every christian with all their vast theology has a place biblically that they can look towards for support and somebody will say oh it's because the bible is so complete no the bible is extremely flawed and it has a lot of contradictions and just in fact seeing how the bible was compiled just take a moment and research how the bible was compiled research how the books came together what books were excluded Mm. what books they forced to make it like research how how the, the stories were passed down from myth to when they were written on paper revelation that. almost did not make it yeah really like in fact revelations i tell people like do you know that opioids in the past were not regulated it wasn't even funny do you know that people who couldn't see people who needed glasses did not have the opportunity they were seeing they, they were there they were there their eyes were not they were faulty <laughs> and you want to say with your full chest that you believe what these people are saying when since camera has existed we have not seen anything like that i feel like a lot of people are so caught up in their personal relationship and we forget that our brains are extremely powerful organs like your brain can simulate a number of things like the power of your brain cannot be over, cannot be overestimated as in because your brain is literally generating all your perception. Do you understand the power of that? Like your perception, what you perceive and how you see reality is literally generated from within you. Is a whole loop. You don't escape it. So when you believe something, your brain will, 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 will give you. See the way Christians selectively remember shit. When God doesn't answer your prayer, you will say it is not his plan. When he answers it, you will praise God. Either outcome, do you see how either outcome, there is no questioning. Either outcome, this guy is going scot free. How is it it's so convenient that the thing that you believe in is so mysterious and so inaccessible? It's so convenient because I cannot confirm, I cannot ask, I cannot do shit. I just have to say, oh, I just have to hedge my best and say, oh, you're right. And th- this question of, okay, what are the odds also goes into Pascal's wager because Pascal's wager is basically, for those who don't know, Pascal's wager is basically, um, th- this is the argument, um, the believer, if they are correct, gets infinite blessings or whatever by being in heaven. The believer, yeah. if they are wrong, loses nothing. The unbeliever, if they are correct, gains nothing, loses nothing. But the unbeliever, if they are wrong, loses everything infinitely 
So they put those two things together and say, oh, which one is... And yeah, with, if that argument were true, if the premise of that argument were true, the conclusion is beautiful. Like, it makes sense. But it's not true because it's not 50-50. It is not one or the other. In fact, it's like one in one out of one million options. Like, which God? Which belief? Which kind of believer? What kind of unbelief? One of the, one of the challenge with this Pascal Wija is you forget that this God is clairvoyant and he's a mind reader. You want to pretend for him that you just right. tag along, that you like believe. You, you, you want to deceive the God that oh, I I'm have not. For you, I'm for you, for Baba. You, you think you can deceive him? You think you can deceive him? So it's like there are so many problems with this thing. And that's the point. Like Christianity is like, don't ask questions. And it, that was the one thing I defied. I asked questions thinking that, oh, yeah, if it's true, it will hold up to scrutiny. And yeah, um, it did not hold up to scrutiny. Any form of scrutiny, it did not. Like, could you... And when I started talking to Christians about these things, I tried, because I did not want to leave my religion. I did not want to. It would... I did not want to. I started asking questions. People who knew what I mean, my mom started talking to, you know, friends and all that. And all I was hearing was excuses. And by the time you open your eyes to logical fallacies, inconsistency, it's so hard to unsee it. Like, I that has one can't tell it off. It just be like, um, you, you hear yourself. Can you once, hear yourself? <laughs> once you turn it on, you cannot turn it off. And I was desperately trying to get back into the religion. Like, oh my God, I need truth. I need truth. Blah, blah, blah. And everything that everybody was saying, bullshit. I was like, I, are people this dumb normally? And I was like, is this what I sounded? Is this what I sounded like when I was saying all these things? Because even while I, as an atheist, I still got, brought people to give their life to Christ because I was in church and I was a church leader of some sorts. And I was oh, like, is this no. what I sounded like? Is this how didn't I notice that this thing was, was so riddled with Ill illogical leaps and all that? And I think once I came to, once I tried to get back and I noticed that, oh, there's no going back. I can never go back. Wow. Because this thing, there's nothing you will say that will make this thing make sense. There's nothing. Except that God comes down to, to the ground like and sees me face to face. Except that there's nothing you could say that will make this thing make sense. And I tried apologetics. I did. Because at the time, I was not watching only atheist content. I, in fact, even till today, I get a lot of Christian content because YouTube is confused. YouTube doesn't know what to send me again. He's going to watch it. <laughs> so I was still watching a lot of Christian content and all I could hear was fallacies. Even I watch some atheist content and I hear some fallacies. So it's like, it's equal. It's really equal. But I was still hearing like some deeply fallacious reasons. I spoke to my mom and I was like, mm, mm, mm. Error. Mm, 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 mm. And in about April, May of 2020, so my whole deconstruction, you can say it had been happening for months before that, but even during my fasting, like while I was still fasting at the time, and there was a day I tried to pray, and I realized I couldn't. I couldn't pray. And I don't know if there's any Christian who has leaned on God for prayer and then left the religion. It is heartbreaking. It is like you have lost a loved one. Like you begin to mourn. I was in pain. I was lost. 
That's why anybody that says, oh, you left religion to sin. Sin what? Why would I leave the God that loved me and cared for me and brought me this far for sin? The accusation is beyond me. Nothing in this world was more important to me than God and serving him and ultimately making heaven. Because full disclaimer, I hate the earth. I hate capitalism, all these things. And you tell me there's, there's a place with streets of gold and you tell me that I wouldn't do anything to make it. And I mourned, I mourned. And a lot of my friends, 100% of my friends were Christian. So just let us sink in. So in it fell soup, I lost my family, I lost my friends, I lost community, I lost the church, and I then lost the personal relationship I had with God. I had no one, and I was lost. I was, and the thing about me is that a lot of people, when they, they convert, they go to other religions, right? Because I had fully deconstructed. Like, when you deconstruct yourself, I deconstructed myself, my ego. Like, I'm nothing, I'm not important, I'm just a clump of cells that happen to be here and happen to have conscience. I deconstructed myself. I deconstructed the Bible, everything. And when you deconstruct all systems like that, it's hard to, when you do proper deconstruction, it's hard to go anywhere and say you want to find comfort in any of that thing. Like, I couldn't. Because I was like, in like hypothetically, I could go back to Christianity and act like and switch off my brain and act like what the pastor is saying makes sense. But that would be so dishonest. And one thing about me is that I live in total honesty. And that's why, you know, being in the closet in the atheist closet is extremely difficult for me because I like hundred percent honesty with people I talk to. And that living like I can't live in dishonesty, especially not to myself. I couldn't even lie to myself anymore. And that moment realizing I couldn't pray and I was gone. And I was not coming back. Like, there's, there's so much. I'm young and I know my mind will change on a lot of opinions that I have now. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. But one thing I know is that I can never be dishonest. And as it stands, there is no truly honest reason. If I'm being very factual, if I'm being very logical, if I'm being very honest to myself, there is no honest reason that Christianity will be true. And that extends to all the Abrahamic religions because they are cut from the same court, like <laughs> Islam, Islam. And then me, I took the time to take classes and study like other religions. And there is the same thing. So I'm like, everyone out here is lying. Stories. I mean, I won't call it lying, but everybody out here is just deceiving themselves, I guess. And yeah, I came to that realization and I didn't turn back. But it was so hard for me. It was so hard for me. As I, I am so pained when anybody tries to negate my journey and say you were never a Christian. I was. I was. I was. I was a Christian. I. I was. I was. I loved God. I loved. When they say that, well, when I know that, it's a defense mechanism that if they can't, it is because when they share, it means that. Because I get to talk to a lot of them. A lot of them see me as a kind of, you know, moderate, moderate atheist, someone that they can talk to. They're like, you're not like this or that atheist. I am like mm. other atheists, but mm. it is I, I just come with passion and everything. And they talk to me and they're like, hmm. And I say, you know, even those that are being kind of understanding, they say things that try to negate my experience. And I don't blame them. Because when you hear somebody that believed as strongly as I did, and deconverted, the question is, can I deconvert? Can Mm. this happen to me? And it can. And if you question things genuinely, it might. 
And it is a scary realization for anybody. And that's why in all my conversations with Christians or anything, my aim is never to deconvert because in many ways, I'm very resentful of my deconversion and deco- my deconstruction and deconversion. I'm extremely resentful. I wish I still believed. I wish I could still look up to something and say that, oh, this thing is there for me. I, there's, I am envious of anybody who has a stronghold of their religion. I would never try to convert anybody because almost the emotional anguish is difficult. The only thing I would kick against is that, bro, don't come and impose shit on me. That's the only thing I that kick against. Problem. Don't come and impose anything on me. That's why my own mode is, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> because the imposition is built into the system. Go into the world and preach the gospel. It is in the imposition is right baked into the system. So they feel they feel entitled to impose it on you. Mm. So like it's there that I draw the line, but to say that you're not entitled to believe, you are. You're entitled to anything that you believe that makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel the zeal to continue existence. So yeah, basically, long story. So, but, out 2020, that's like me. No, so 20, no, I I left. I so everything started like 2020 where I started like questioning. But my questioning took a halt when I started my fasting, and during my fasting, I my 2021 fasting, I deconverted, okay. and I would say my I was fully deconstructed, and I, everything started like properly in like March, and then everything like was really moving forward but i would say i was fully deconstructed as far as this when i knew you know then i couldn't call myself an atheist now i couldn't because i was like it's such a present thing. Oh, i call myself man. an apostate i was like i'm just not a christian anymore i'm a christian apostate that's what i would say even initially when i first started joining cobbles i identified as a christian apostate and it was even in september last year that I accepted that to myself as an atheist. But I would say that I have loved, like I've been a Christian apostate since about April. So April of 2021, which will make it like roughly a year and a half. So since I was like 16, I have been I have been an unbeliever. It has been wonderful. It has been beautiful. It has been, I can't lie, like it's just knowing just knowing that I have the freedom to question and, you know, adjust my beliefs and all that. Like I have that freedom and I'm not saying, Oh my God, blasphemy. Oh my God, this is such a thing. <laughs> it's it, like, people don't understand how freeing it is. So yeah, just that realization is extremely important and it's, can, it cannot be understated. It cannot be understated. Like uh, thought crime was one of the shit like, ah, go forgive me, go forgive me. You just be yeah, seeing something like, on your mind. Like, like you're a human being and you just have a flash of maybe something sexual or you something envious in your heart and like immediately you're feeling this extreme guilt. And I'm somebody who now come and say, hey, hey, hey you deconverted because of guilt. No, far from it. I didn't deconvert because of guilt. It was more so, it was like, <sighs> honestly, there was so much that could have deconverted me. And the fact that I dodged all of them is testament to a lot. I'm a woman and I was a feminist at the time. So well, it's, it, that's why it's, it, that's it's why not. It, it, one yeah. thing that the convert is is what you least expect. Like 
I have seen this Joshua story of uh, genocide and those things, and though I will, it always flew over my head. It was that Genesis thirty-eight. I was just like, no, 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 motherfucker, hold the fuck up. Yeah, you know. Like, so it's, it's different things for different. And even this, our mind can't be trusted. Can we trust that? Why, why like, do you want to trust your mind? You know, you know when I shared my story, I yeah. I, I, went, I think I need to do a retelling. I mm-hmm. went to my YouTube history to see the videos. No, it was dark matter. The mm-hmm. timing that I thought was not the timing that actually happened. There was a gap between March and August when the real deconversion started in 2020. Yeah, because I actually told my deconstructor started with AFU's videos. It did not. It actually did not. I, I just, I saw one video by Theramine Trees and I avoided all his videos. But the questions kept on lingering. Like, once again, it's like a magic trick. Once you see how the trick is done, like you cannot, you cannot unsee it. You cannot, you cannot unsee it in any way. Like, it's, yeah. you have seen it, you have seen it, and it's there, and it cannot be ignored. So, yeah, it's like even when I had an incentive to go back to the faith because, like, my parents are extremely religious, and they would literally cut me off and disown me if I tell them. I tried to tell my mom. And she called me a witch, a demon, a this, a that. Called me I so many things. Your child, your child carried inside you. It's not a fault. Like, I would have done the same thing. That's the thing. I don't know how to blame Christians for this. Like, Christians, like, I think you liked a tweet like that. No, so. should that be, I'm disappointed in you, or somebody, or somebody is attacking you. Oh, you understand? Like, I swear that the day I would tell my parents, I expect them to, to be blaming somebody else but me. Not saying I am I am a literal demon. I can be demon-possessed. But Anyway, it's complicated because um, the trauma I have in relation to my family and my parents is, I, I know if I talk about it, a lot of people are like, oh, this is abuse. Even Nigerians that don't believe in emotional abuse by parents will be like, nah, bro, you're almost deep. It was abuse. So I, it's, it's a complicated thing, but she really went against it and was not having it. And I had to take it back and a week later, I was like, Jesus has found me again. Glory be to his name in the most high. I am not a Christian again. And since then, I've not taken it back. And I was still going to church devoutly, but I had a reason to um, reconvert. I think one of the biggest things that I was ready to recover to was when um, I was with a Christian. An extremely difficult thing, like inter-religious relationships are extremely difficult. So I, I really wanted to recover just to keep that re- relationship. And I, w- I couldn't even lie. I think he asked me, like, do you think you can come back? And I was like, I couldn't even lie. I was like, I will not sit here and lie to you. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's possible that I, I believe again. But in that God, in the God you believe, in the God you serve, although I respect your beliefs and I will never insult or disparage you for believing, I'll never call you stupid, I'll never call you anything. I respect it so much, but I can't. And it was a very difficult thing to accept because that's what ultimately led to us ending things. But, <sighs> yeah, it was extremely difficult. Living life as an atheist is extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. 
like you just can't say your thoughts anyhow you have to really be you know, have to measure right. who you are talking you to you have to right. measure who you are talking to and that's why I, for real like the community on clubhouse really saved me in a lot of ways because just meeting how many nigerians that believed in these things and how i wasn't alone in the in these beliefs because that's ultimately what pushed me to church like i was going to church as an atheist as a full-blown atheist, I went to church. Was it annoying for me? Yes. Well, I'm someone that likes hymns. I like to sing. I like to sing. I like hymns. So I'll be there singing. How that we perish. I'm still trying to understand the brains of atheists that still feel this Christian. Like, if, as a Christian, those songs were fucking cringy. I was like, what the fuck you is this? I'm really haunted in my soul. I'm back up now. Be like, nah, 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 motherfucker. Get la, 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 la. Hear my humble cry. I'm telling you, I would. I was one of those Christians that used to cry in church. Like, a tear would just come down. Like, and I never used to cry, but like the emotion of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. engulfing your spirit. Now, Billy, you, 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 you not stamp your picture while you're in the spirit. You're not using for advert of the church. You see me like this, like <laughs> when we are praying sometimes, like, oh my God, like that's like someone that wants to, like, someone that wants to de- invalidate my experience, call punish you. The God that you said will punish The time I used to fast, then. I would spend like four, five hours literally on my knees, the devotion, on my knees, crying and praying to God. I would call out, I would cry like, Jesus. I really felt the spirit though. Forget, forget I was, I have been there, I have done that and it's comforting. But just because something is comforting, doesn't make it true. And there are some people that can know that something is false. I think I said that. Like, there are some people that will blatantly know that something is false and still choose to believe in it because it gives them comfort. And yeah, but at least say it with your full chest. Say it with your full chest. That's all I ask for. But I, as somebody, I, like my person, my kind of person will not allow me to do that. I, I cannot do that. I cannot see myself. Those ones are cool as long as you are not having the audacity no, to not challenge people that that uh, that don't believe in those things and and outspoken. That mm-hmm. is when you now be like. But I don't like when their voices become too loud. I mean, yeah, they are talking too loud for someone that believes in something false. Your voice is too loud. I like to draw them down the peg, but I don't really engage in arguments with people who believe like that. Like I do not see the purpose of it. It holds no value to me. They engage in an argument. Like where do they want to come from? How do they want to convince me? When you you already accept this bullshit, but exactly like exactly like I don't engage. I really don't engage. The only times I engage is when somebody brings it up, and I feel like this person is intelligent enough to kind of. Um, I won't say accept, but much so weigh another perspective, like intelligent enough to see another perspective and maybe see truth or maybe not truth, but kind of see where I'm coming from. That's the only time I engage in conversations like this. And I've made mistakes in engaging in conversations like this or misreading people to be smart and they were not particularly smart. I've made that mistake and I will not be making it again. But yeah, I have discussions with so many Christians, agnostics, atheists. You really can't. So mm-hmm. I just kind of have preliminary discussions, test the waters. If I see that, oh, this one, I just keep quiet and I just allow them to talk. Any smart thing, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Like, like, you know, and so. that's the people are so confused. I'm telling you, people are, people, 
try to say that they want to figure me out. I'm like, don't waste your time. Because even me, I don't even know. I don't even know at this point. You hear me say a lot of, like, even here, I said it's like God, amen. And like, I'm so used to it. It's not something that is in your vocabulary. I really stick to it. Like, yeah, I, don't you not believe in God? I'm like, see, that's by the wayside. By the wayside, is yeah, what to trigger them. I to swap God for for Satan. Let's just fuck with them. Uh, now, whenever I'm wishing people happy birthday, I say, May the Lord Lucifer grant you long life. I can only do that when I'm trying to be a troll. And I'm not. So most times, especially in real life, I'm not trying to be a troll. But if I was more like the only reason I'm not like that on Twitter is because some people know me really like following me on Twitter and I, and I have to be careful. You know, sometimes I talk, sometimes I most times I say no. I just use my Twitter for my memes and shit and my WhatsApp. But you know, I'm a whole troll on Clubhouse. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So alright, it's been an amazing time listening to your story. Please, where can we find you online? Where do you want to be found? Where do you want to be found online? Omar, you cannot find me online. As you have heard me talk like this, I have gone. I am. I, I am gone. You can't find me. I can't find me anywhere. I just. If there's anything yeah. else, please. Bele, there are so many people follow ranting atheists on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah. <laughs> no Allah, no Allah. And awesome. Nice, 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 nice. Thank you for listening to this episode. Subscribe up Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and other places that podcasts are available. Then if you want to share your story, check out the links in the show notes below on how to reach. Reach out to me so that we can schedule a convenient date. That would be fucking awesome to hear your story, especially those who deconverted in 2022 would like to hear that story because every year people are joining our ranks, quote unquote, if they're such a thing. So we'd like to hear from you, we'd like to hear your story, hear how 2022 was for you, how everything started, and how you got to the other side without realizing you were on an under, on the, that there was an underside to even be. So have a great week, and I will catch you on the next one. <laughs>